Blog Talk Radio. My name is Jean, and tonight we will be talking about vacationing as a person in recovery. And along with me tonight are Bubble Hour co-hosts Amanda and Catherine, both of whom recently had vacations that they'll be reviewing for us. Hello, ladies. Hi, Jean. Hey, Jean. Hi. It's good to hear your voices. It's been, I've been off for a while having a vacation, hence the topic. So <laughs> nice we to miss back. you. <laughs> And Ellie has tonight off. We're sending out our love to her. It's kind of we don't all get to be on the air together too much anymore, so we're always missing one of the one of the four of us. But it's great to be here. Now, I just got back from two weeks in Switzerland and Italy. And readers of my blog, or if you heard me talking on the show before I left, I was a little shaky before I went. Just I was kind of dreading it, and I just had my four-year anniversary, and so I just was feeling a little bit uncertain. But I rallied, and I went, and a lot has happened in that time, so I'm really glad for this topic. And um, well, tell us a little bit about where you guys have been lately for your vacations. Catherine, how about you? Well, I think the one that I was thinking about was my big 4-0, we, which was a few months ago. Um, we went to Big Sur, California and um we always you know have this back and forth about well where to go and what type of a place and i hate planning trips it's really annoying um but we wanted something that had a lot of nature since we live in a city and um and i wanted something with a spa <laughs> so we <laughs> we found this beautiful place and and went for just about a week And Amanda, you were where were you recently? I went to Antigua in the uh, Caribbean uh, to a beautiful resort um, on a beautiful island. So it was spectacular. And so, got away like, from the cold winter. You got away from the, <laughs> the worst winter in a hundred years. Yes, <laughs> no snow in Antigua. And that, like, nope. that trip was doubly special, too, Amanda, because you hadn't been able to travel for a while, right? Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, well, and um, it was, I had, I used to go away every year, and, um, well, um, because of the trouble that I got myself in, I wasn't allowed to leave the state for a little while, <laughs> and, and then, um, you know, and then I, I, you know, I could. That, that's been a little while since I've been able to. But um, it was just something I didn't have the opportunity, and it was something that I wanted to get back to. It's, it was something I looked forward to every winter. And so, um, you know, I just 
I just on a whim just booked it and um it was amazing. It was um I, you know, I was thinking about, you know, past vacations for me to the Caribbean, you know, what I used to book was I always went to an all-inclusive and this is, you know, basically mm-hmm. the way that the trip went is I would get there we would be drinking on the plane. We would get there. You get to the hotel, and you know if they hadn't already served you alcohol on the bus to the hotel, when you get there, they always had like a welcoming drink, and you know. And I always booked these resorts that had like an activities staff that had like constant drinking games the entire week, and I thought it was the funnest thing in the world. But I look back at it, and I really don't remember much of those trips. I have pictures to tell me that I was at a beautiful place, but I basically would just drink the entire week. And granted, I would be in the sun and it would be a beautiful place, but, you know, it was a type of places that I went and had the swim-up bar and, like I said, like constant drinking activities all day long. So this was, you know, the thought of going to the Caribbean was, you know, it was a little bit like, huh, can I do this? Um, you know, how do you go away to a tropical island and not have tropical drinks? Um, so I, I, I said, you know what, I, I've, I've learned, one of the things that I've learned is, um, in sobriety is that I, the things that I used to think were fun aren't so much, you know, obviously aren't an option for me anymore, but they're also not fun. And I actually... I look back on the trips that I had in the past, and I think I, you know, I really missed out on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, this time um, I did book an all-inclusive because I just, I, I personally don't like to have to worry about how much I'm going to spend, you know, finding a place to eat, you know, you know, and I just like to be able to relax and not worry about a thing. So. The only problem with most all-inclusives is it's also all-inclusive all alcohol, and so they tend to be very boozy, you know, just, you know, a lot of booze. But um, when I looked into this trip, I found a resort that seemed a lot smaller, a, a lot more um, mature, for la- you know, lack of a better word. And when I got there, um, to my delight, it was. It was um, – there. W- it was – there was uh, wine and champagne and, you know, um, being served to everyone all day long. But it was it was very mellow. It, it, was, um, it seemed like a little bit of an older crowd. And, you know, the, the drinks were served. They weren't for it. I mean, at dinner, dinner was the only time that was a little bit weird because they, you know, you got to the dinner table and there were wine glasses on the dinner table and every waiter was walking around with a bottle of red and a bottle of white. And, but, you know, and I think we were a little bit of a nuisance because we would say, can I have, you know, my Coke? And um, my boyfriend would say his Coke and I'd get my my soda water with cranberry juice. And so they'd have to, like, go make an effort to go get that for us. But besides that, it was, um, you know, it was, it was just, (laughs) you know, that was, that was too bad. They just had to go do that. And, but it was, it was was awesome. I'm laughing because I'm thinking, like, they have no idea what kind of a nuisance we would be if we were <laughs> getting hammered. So, like, <laughs> sorry, that's why I just laughed. 
like, listen, well, you you'll know, make the cranberry and soda and you'll like it because otherwise I get hammered and then you're really in trouble. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it, if if I had been at that resort, well, first of all, if I back in my drinking days, I would have been pissed. I would have been like, where is all the drinking games? And like I would have, I would have absolutely hated it. Oh, Amanda, you're growing up. I know, I know it's amazing. scary. But and when they came by yourself, with the wine right? bottle, what's that? You knew yourself well enough to look for something different when you went on this I did. trip and you planned this trip. Yeah. But, like, drinking me, too, I would have, like, to Catherine's point, I would have been, like, you can just leave that bottle right here. I mean, yeah. I would have. <laughs> <laughs> Keep it coming. You know what? Yeah. I'll tell you something. When we when when I was drinking quite a lot, we went on a trip to um, an all-inclusive, and um, their, the wine was being poured constantly, but it wasn't to my taste. It wasn't very good wine. And it's not that I had great taste in wine. It's just that I really needed what I needed, right? I was so stuck in the pleasure-reward. Yeah. And so it had to, you know, I couldn't have that watered-down, sugary crap, you know, that was fine for everyone else. Mm. And so I actually, like, I remember one night, I was like, i got to have good wine. And so we went to one of the restaurants that weren't included in what, and we paid for a meal, and I bought a bottle of wine and just because, even though there was all the wine I could drink out there, it wasn't pushing the button for me. And I remember that as being kind of an that felt like I, I knew something was wrong, you know, at that time. Yeah. So those all-inclusives can be a dangerous place for someone in early recovery, though, don't you think? Do you think that you have to be kind of secure in, in how you're feeling to go there? What do you think about that? Oh, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I, I, there was, I mean, I I really, I wouldn't have gone the first few years. I mean, like I said, I couldn't go the first two years. Um, and the, then the third, you know, the third year, I mean, I felt very secure in my sobriety, but I was like, yeah, you know, I don't need to go there quite yet. Yeah. You know, I, I, I really needed to feel pretty solid. And, um, and you know, for, for many, I just, it was just, so different to me and also going with the right person you know uh, you know my boyfriend is sober so you know going with someone who was sober and you know and and you know knowing that I had that partner in crime with me to who had no interest in you know the the drinking um you know was very helpful i mean we did mm-hmm. we did little things like we went to dinner early and you know, then we would go to you know go to bed and just relax. We had this amazing balcony that looked over the ocean and you know and viewed the whole resort. And we would you know get our coffee and hang out there. And you know we did little things like that. We would have our afternoon tea. <laughs> me having afternoon tea is just if you know me, it's just the most foreign concept in the world. But I loved it. I looked. Forward. I looked forward to it every day. Um, I guess if you knew the old me, that was just Amanda drinking tea in an afternoon. <laughs> um, but I, it was it was something that we did every day and and just loved. But and it, what was it, it about that? We, was it wasn't the tea necessarily that was so great? Was it what was it about that that made it kind of special? 
Well, it's you know, it's it was just um a time to just sit down and relax and reflect on the day. Like, you know, it was usually after you know, doing something actually we didn't do much of anything, I have to say. We we did a lot of just relaxing, which I don't I, you know, drinking me didn't know how to relax. I didn't know how to just sit with myself or sit even with another person. And, you know, sometimes we'd be chatting, sometimes we'd be quiet. I didn't know how to do that. So, um, and so, and the tea was just, you know, just another moment to, Mm. I don't know, it was was kind of, I guess, you know, for some people they have a nightcap, you know, and and, and so it was kind of, it was just a a time to sit down and just relax and, um, and just enjoy where we were, just enjoy being. Well, and that's you know. kind of a good point, right? That's what I really found on, on my trip that I was just on was that I just was able to be so present for every moment of it. You know, we we did a tour of the Coliseum. I mean, you know, an iconic historic structure that a lot of bad things happened and a lot of amazing history took place there and to just be able to stand there and fully absorb it and not be thinking, oh, my God, well, you know, what, let's get out of here and get a drink, or I feel terrible about last night. No no subtext going on in my head, just being fully present and just absorbing everything. Like, with every molecule of my body was how I felt. Like, I just felt so prepared to receive all the gifts that I was able to to have on that get, on that trip by seeing things that I've never seen in my life and I'll probably never get to go see again, you know? And it, I was so glad that I was all there for it. It's kind of a neat thing. Special, very yeah. special. And I, like, um, can, can we from... talk about this? Talk about what, Sorry, I was just going to, well, I was going to ask, I mean, I think it's important to talk about this concept of fun, especially yeah. for people who are thinking about getting sober or who are newly sober and who are thinking that everything that we're describing is like their worst nightmare of <laughs> life without drinking. I mean, seriously, because I I really would have had no idea how to, I mean, like, if I put, if I go back in time and think about drinking me, drinking me would have said, what do you mean relaxing without a drink that's how I relax is with wine or like oh my god that sounds so boring like what do you do (laughs) okay cool no I could still go see the Coliseum but like it sounds so boring to sit on a beach or by a pool or you know or how could you go to Rome and not drink Italian wine like I I really had this big fear that sobriety was going to be super boring. And then if people described what you just said, I I think I would have been like, thanks, but no thanks. I'm just being honest. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. And part of that comes from just that early shift. I mean, I couldn't have gone on on any kind of enjoyable vacation in the first few weeks of sobriety because I was really unhooking from that addictive thinking and and mental obsession, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean it t- it took it takes a lifetime to really adjust our thinking, but um, especially early on, I think it's just it's 
you're so absorbed in just getting through every moment. You're right. I think it is impossible, but you do pretty quickly get to a point where once you're you're not really craving the alcohol so much anymore and you've started to find a few other things you enjoy that you start to realize that you're, oh my gosh, I'm sitting by a campfire and laughing and I don't have a drink in my hand. Oh my gosh, I'm walking on a beach and I don't have a drink in my hand. <laughs> like You start to realize mm-hmm. that life was pretty good is pretty good without alcohol. It can be. And, you know, most of us remember being kids and riding our bikes and having fun and doing all this stuff. And I don't know about you, but I wasn't drunk when I was eight years old. And I still right. had one. So, like, it's almost getting back to that sort of pure living, that, like, a, a mindset of just fully living. And I actually wrote it down because we, were, we wanted to make sure we talked about fun because you're right. It's not the same definition as of fun, you know, I'm not a woo girl anymore. I'm I'm a I'm I'm a different person. And the fun I have now, like I think I have my day is is bigger. Like, you know, all the hours that I'm awake, I'm enjoying and I'm feeling well and I'm I'm just present for everything, which is that in itself is kind of fun mm-hmm. and I sort of enjoy the little moments more, but I also think it's like a kind of like a, I wrote down the words, it's a kinder, gentler fun. <laughs> it is. Well, you know, it's a fun that's easier you know what? on the heart. <laughs> I think, you know, what's not fun, you know, is um, having someone tell you what you did the night before, not remembering oh, what yeah. you did the night before, waking up with shame, waking up um, hungover. Yeah. That's, that's like, none of that is fun anymore. And so, I think, you know, when we talk about fun, it's kind of like changing the conversation. And and just like sober vacations in general, like instead of thinking about the things that you can't do, think about the things that you can do because you're sober. Like, oh, oh, I can't go. Well, we were talking about this before we got went on the air. You know, like, oh, I can't go to the winery. I'm sorry. Um, I Even when I was drinking, I really can't think of anything more boring because when I was drinking, all I wanted was the sample at the end of the tour. I don't really care how wine is made. I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> and so, you know, like... We think it, Amanda says it. <laughs> Nobody wants to admit you know, that, Amanda, but it's true. <laughs> Yeah, wineries are beautiful. Okay, go walk around outside. You don't need to go on the tour on how it's made. I mean, that's it's, it's, um, just go walk around I, I think outside. About the, it's, I mean, I've been to. I went to a wedding at a winery, and it was the grounds were beautiful. But I mean. I, if they had said, oh, and as part of the ceremony, you can go on the toy of the winery, I would have been like, that's okay, I'm just going to sit here and drink. And now, you know, I would say, that's okay, I'm just going to sit here and enjoy the scenery. Like, And I, I guess, you know, so I guess changing the conversation in my head about what I like and what I don't like um, has really helped me a lot. And, you know, as far as my beach vacation, there wasn't a lot of nightlife, but they did have this, like, really cheesy karaoke one night. And that's something I probably would have done, like, totally shit-faced and made a fool out of myself. Nice language. Um, but <laughs> my boyfriend actually did good. He was <laughs> He actually put in for a song. They didn't have the song, but... Um, 
the difference too is like the things that you know you want to do that are fun you can still do like getting up and dancing like a fool or getting up and doing karaoke you can do them just because you want to not because you're so drunk that you do things that you actually probably didn't want to do mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah mm-hmm. you, you know like i used to like you know think i needed to drink to do these courageous things and i can actually if I really want to do them, I can just do them anyways. Um, because the only reason I, I the only reason I think I did certain things is because I had this thought in my head that this is what you're supposed to do if you want to be the wild, crazy party girl. Yeah. Um, most people who know me in sobriety still think of me as the wild, crazy party girl. I just don't. But think. you don't care what they think, right? It's like you're no, fun because you're fun, and not because you're trying to be something. But right, for other right. people, yeah. How about right. you, Catherine? Has your definition of fun shifted at all in sobriety? Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I was just thinking about you know this idea of, and I was sober when I went to the the Coliseum as well, Jean, and like the very simple pleasure of waking up early in the morning and not being hung over and not being hung over all day on vacation and then not being crabby while I'm doing whatever I'm doing on vacation, like waiting to get to that next drink. Mm-hmm. Um, I was never a kind of swim up bar kind of person anyway. Um, so like the sitting by the pool thing wasn't, it really just wasn't ever something that I did on vacation. So I usually had like, you know, activities kind of planned and just being hung over and then grouchy all day. And like, that's just, that's miserable. Um, and so this actually the most recent vacation I had was just a, a week or so ago and we were in South Carolina and we had a view of the ocean where the sun rose every morning and, we got up early every morning to have coffee on the terrace and watch the sunrise. And mm. it was awesome every day. Um, and then to just have that was really amazing. I just, it did, it doesn't feel like my life is being robbed from me anymore by my constant obsession. Mm-hmm. With I find that too. It's like where to really, get it. You get your money's worth on vacation. It's like you get twice as much vacation because you're actually experiencing, you know, the, every moment that you're awake and you're sleeping better. Yes. So, yeah. yes. It's, nothing's clouded, nothing's filtered. Catherine, you were mentioning, too, that the, uh, on your 40th, um, your husband phoned ahead to the hotel and did some planning there. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, so that's something that he will sometimes do depending on the kind of place we're going. He did that for our honeymoon too, and um, which was a cruise. And so this time, you know, he, he, called, he called ahead and, you know, sometimes they ask, are you celebrating anything? And he said, yeah, I'm, we're celebrating my wife's birthday. And, oh, any special requests? And he said, yeah, well, just the one, which is that she doesn't drink alcohol of any kind. And they said, okay. So when they had a little a guy who would bring you in a golf cart like over around the grounds and up to they, it was all little cabins and stuff like that. 
And he brought us in and I saw this bucket of ice with a, what I thought was a champagne bottle and my heart just sort of dropped like, because I knew my husband had said that to them and I just thought, well, okay. And, and I have a comparison point for that too, that I'll mention in a second. But anyway, the kid comes in and he says, oh, I hope this is cold enough. I brought another one just in case it it isn't because this one's been sitting here. He pulls it out and it was Martinelli's sparkling cider, the (laughs) non-alcoholic stuff. Nice. And and I was like, oh, my gosh, that's awesome. And he said, yeah, no, they, they said that you don't drink, so we made sure that you, we had that. And he's like, you know, I, I quit drinking, and it was something like 90 days ago. And I was like, no way, that's awesome. And we just had a little moment. Um, so that was really good. But one thing that I noticed about it, too, was that so we got married a year and a half ago. Yeah, so I just had my three-year anniversary, and I was I was a year and a half sober when I got married. And um, one of the hotels where we stayed, like, after we got off the cruise ship, we had a few more days of vacation. And um, the, this hotel brought or left a bottle of champagne in the room. And, like, champagne was my thing, man, you know? Like, I, I thought I was such a sophisticate, but whatever. <laughs> like, and... <laughs> I mean, I would drink more of that stuff than you can imagine. But, and I really, I came into the room. We had both been at the spa, and my husband was still there. And I walked in, and I kind of was like, oh. And I sat out on the terrace, but I still, it was always sort of like one corner of my eye was sort of turned towards the room where I knew this thing was. And, my husband came back. I didn't even want to touch it. My husband came back and was like, okay, we can we can move this on out of here. We don't need this anymore. But interestingly, this time, I didn't get, I didn't feel as hooked into it as like, I didn't feel disappointed and distracted. I was more like, oh, boo. But then it turned out to be an awesome surprise that it was something that I could have and there was one afternoon that we sat out looking on the Pacific Ocean and they had like a wine and cheese hour every night and they had the Martinelli's right there. So we were able to like, you know, have that and the cheese and little snackaroos and sit outside and watch the amazing sun. And and like I say, I mean, I live in a city with eight and a half million of my closest friends. So being Believe me, fun is nature and people. <laughs> and that's um, always been the case. Well, that's awesome. Um, I was I was going to point out, um, I was just looking at our online group today, and, and um, someone on there is actually on vacation, and she was posting about it, and I asked her if I could share some of the things that she had posted today with our listeners, since this is what we're talking about, so... One of her points that I thought was really, really spot on for a lot of us is that um, before the trip, she was having a hard time differentiating between excitement and anxiety. So she was feeling really anxious before the trip, but some part of her kind of knew it was probably excitement being masked as anxiety. And that really hit home for me because, you know, I was like, I was really uneasy before we went on our vacation and um 
and looking back on it, I think that's partly what it was, was that I was, it was anticipation and I was reading it as anxiety and I was responding to it as if it was anxiety and I thought that was a really astute thing to note. And so I asked her, well, what else is going on for you? What what else can you share with our with our listeners um, that what's working for you? Because once she got there, she said it was all settling down for her and she was really enjoying herself. And so her words are bubble up, pamper yourself to the max, uh, have your go-to drink. So for me on this trip, that was um, tonic water. I would just have a, a tonic water over ice. Uh, and then a special drink also just for you. Treat yourself big time. Don't be a sober martyr. And she says, remember oh. that the money you used to spend on alcohol should be put to pampering. <laughs> mm. I love that. I and like her style. Also, yeah, me too. Uh, she also mentions that she had a a, a good friend uh, on standby for text and instant message um, who um, she stayed in touch with while she's away and that even if the friend isn't able to get back with her, just kind of having someone that she can send her thoughts to and, and sort of get that out and vent a little bit is really helpful. So I thought those were all really great points and thank you. Um, for you, you know who you are, and we thank you, and we wish you a wonderful <laughs> vacation. I love that term. You know, don't be a sober martyr. Does not hit home, you guys. I, oh, I yeah. love it. I was such a sober martyr. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and you know, and if I wasn't getting my way of, you know, like what Jean, what you said about finding the right kind of wine, or is it time for wine yet? Like. I wouldn't have thought about it that way at the time, but mm-hmm. looking back, I can see how martyry it was. Yeah, yeah. And I, oh, I love the pain in the ass, hey? Like, oh, honestly, I really was so selfish. Like here, we had to go to this off, off the price list, you know, <laughs> menu, and yeah. buy this dinner as an excuse for me to have the wine that I wanted and I, and then I had to have a whole bottle of it because, you know. Oh yeah. You, so and so then, you know, at the end of it I was tanked and kind of bitchy anyway and it just was, you know, ugh, it was all Yeah. Um no, I would have done the same. Have either of you been to resorts where they have 12-step meetings? Have you seen that on the event calendar anywhere? I saw that um uh, I was on a family vacation a few years ago. And actually, I wasn't sober yet. And I saw on the event calendar that one morning at 7 a.m. it said, Friends of Bill W. And I was like, I didn't know what that meant. I'm like, I bet you that's some kind of a 12-step meeting. I should go to that. But I was too scared to. But it's kind of, you know, it's kind of in code when they say Friends of Bill W. That's that's code word for a 12-step meeting. And um, uh, it's... You know, it's check, ask, because that can be something that you look for when you're choosing your um, resort. Yeah, I mean, I we're not, we generally don't go to kind of like resorty sort of places, so that, but I, I did look on the cruise ship, and they didn't, it was a very, very small cruise ship, though, so they didn't have that, but I have been to recovery meetings while on vacation, mm-hmm. and so I think last year we were in Savannah, Georgia, and here's what happened. I We were at dinner, and the waitress walks by, and we had been there for a couple of days, and a, a waitress walked by with a tray of champagne. There it is again. And I 
she was pouring it near us or something too. And I, I just, I went like, and looked right at it. Like I was like a wolf and it just caught my attention and I couldn't <laughs> stop thinking about it. Yeah. And I said to my husband, that's it. I have to find a meeting tomorrow morning. And I went online and I looked and this was actually great. I went and, um, you know, the, these things can be different kind of wherever you go. And I actually was the only woman in there. It was a co-ed meeting, but coincidentally I was the only woman. And anyway, they were all so sweet and they give out visitor chips at this particular meeting, oh, which cool. I had never seen before. So they're like, is anyone visiting? And I said, Oh yeah. Hi, you know, I'm visiting. And they said, Oh, well we give a chip to our visitors. And I was like, Oh my gosh, that's so <laughs> amazing. And it was yeah, and it was a nice little nice little thing. Just like not too long ago on a business trip, I saw a um, flight attendant with a chip as a, like a, almost a keychain on her her travel bag. And I wanted mm-hmm. to run up to her and like high five her, but I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but well, it was I, a I, nice little like touch point is, is all I mean. Yeah, and I, I yeah. think that can be a real lifesaver for people. Um, I I posted on Twitter this afternoon just asking, you know, people to tell us their tips that we could share with our listeners tonight, and, and that was one of them was to look into meetings in the area that you're going to before mm-hmm. you go. And I think it's helpful even if you are in a different recovery program or if you're doing, you know, a different pathway um, you know what? You're on vacation. You're doing lots of things differently. Um, it's you know you can visit something different than what you normally do. But it's just being in the presence of other people that understand can really be a big help, especially if you're somewhere where you really feel like everyone else around you is having a different experience than you are. And then another suggestion from Twitter was that um, to plan vacations around recovery conventions, and there's all kinds of recovery conventions. And so you can go to a convention and then stay a little extra long and and make that your vacation. I also found, um, I don't know if this is something new or if I just never discovered it so much before, but there are a lot of um, uh, vacation uh, companies that specifically offer sober vacations. Um, yeah, one oh, of them cool. called Sober Vacations, and it's like a, they, they basically book, I saw that, and I, I was, I just didn't get in on it, but it was a whole. Um, they basically booked the whole resort. Yeah. So it was, in, and it, it just looks so cool. <laughs> There's also, um, of course, she recovers is one similar kind of uh, retreat for women that I went on, and that was really lovely in Mexico, and. Um, but there's other ones too, a sort of adventure getaways for women that are in recovery. Um, so to go on the Google and see what you can find if you're interested in that, because it seems to me like it's an expanding market, expanding services. Um, you know, as we're talking about our trips, um, in a way we sound like we're very, very shishi and we all travel an awful lot. But I'm thinking it's just that we're all, you know of a certain age where we've racked up a few trips on our passport. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. We're, we're not constantly jetting off to different places, but um, it well, does. Well, I am, but it's always up. work travel, so. Yeah. <laughs> well, and on <laughs> our work travel fun. show, we talked about what we take in our suitcase when we're traveling for work and how we kind of make the hotel a safe place. Do you guys do anything special when you're vacationing? 
to bring with you that that helps you? Amanda, did you take anything special with you besides your boyfriend? <laughs> yeah, just him, really. Not, um, I mean, I had, um, you know, just things to entertain ourselves. You know, if we decided to just, you know, relax and hang out, um, which we did, you know. Um, but yeah, I didn't have anything special. I, I, I mean, we just did special things. We kind of, you know, worked them in with what the resort had to offer, you know, like I said, having tea every afternoon, either down on the patio at the beach or up on our balcony, Um, you know, little things like that. Um, I always have my coin with me. That's just something that I, you know, it's with me every day. Um, And and I guess I don't, you know, I know you have a whole kit that you travel with, Jean. I'm just, uh, I guess, just, just, Things that, you know, I guess it was really just the being with someone who was sober is, you know, I guess for me makes it a lot easier. I know, you know, I feel like a lot of people are not in that same situation, so it's a little bit different because you're, you know, you're kind of with someone who may be, you know, having drinks and stuff like that, so that would make things a little bit more challenging. So I mm-hmm. think I have, I have it easy when it comes to that. And, I'm, you know, um, Jean, we have to hear about your trip, by the way, before we talk about it. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about it. Um, it really was a trip of a lifetime for us. We, My husband and I have been together since we were teenagers, and now we're grandparents. So, you know, we're, we've, we've worked a long, long time to go on a special vacation. And, and so this was his 50th birthday. We said, we're going to let's do something special. And so his dream was to ski at the Matterhorn, and then backpack through Italy. And um, we kind of talked about what his expectations were, what he wanted, and we decided that that was something we could do together. If he had wanted a type of trip that wasn't going to be a good fit for me, that I didn't think I could, A, have fun, and B, um, be a good travel partner for him, because my husband does, he's a normie, he does drink, and being in Italy, of course, he wanted to be able to, to taste some of the local wines and stuff. And so we kind of had to make sure that it was going to be a good fit for the two of us. That was the first thing. And then uh, this backpacking business, like, (laughs) you guys, (laughs) you've seen me. (laughs) You saw the size of the suitcase I brought when I just came to visit you for a weekend. Um, The backpack was a bit of a stretch. So I normally do travel with uh, my teacup and, you know, a whole bunch of special things that, quite helped me quite a lot but I couldn't do any of that because I just had this backpack that I had to manage 16 days worth of clothes and ski gear and everything in so all I took with me uh, for sort of my sober support I guess beside my you know my my um, electronic devices so that I could stay in touch with my support network I went to um a store in my town before I left, and I I um, bought a little angel out of rose quartz, just this little stone angel. And um, I kept her in my pocket everywhere we went, and I kind of, it was very smooth, very, very pretty smooth little stone, and so I kind of used it like a worry stone. If I ever felt stressed about anything, I would kind of rub this just secretly in my pocket and and it would warm up, you know, because your hand warms up a stone. And so that was kind of my little secret support was I just had this tucked in with me. And it just felt 
very special. And of course, being in that part of the world, we were touring a lot of churches and and a lot of places that you know had religious history to them. And so I sort of felt like I was connected in that way as well. So that was pretty special. But we that's lovely, Jean. Ah, oh, thanks. Mm. Well, I'm here, and I knew I had to do some psyching up before we left because I knew I couldn't take along all of my um, emotional crutches, you know, my pretty teacups and the things that I normally pack that help me through the evening. So I just really spend a lot of time sort of mentally preparing myself to feel positive that um, I was going to go and experience these places as they are and not try to make them fit my expectations. So, um, you know, if they have espresso with their breakfast in little tiny cups and I'm used to drinking a great big mug of coffee with cream, then you know what? I'm going to have the espresso and see what that's like and and try it a few times until I sort of get a feel for what that feels like, you know. And, and um, so I really tried to have that mindset of I'm going to enjoy the way things are done other places and not try to force my way on everywhere that I go. And that was a really important mindset for me, and that, that helped me quite a lot. Um, so, yeah, we we skied, we hiked, um, and everywhere we went, we walked. So uh, we we went to an area called, it's a national park in Italy called the Cinque Terras, and it's five villages that are on the ocean that are each separated by a mountain. And there used to be a path along the front of the ocean that you could walk between the towns. But that got washed out, and we didn't know that. So now the only way to get from town to town is up the mountain and down the mountain. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And guess what? We both lost five pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Despite eating cappuccinos and gelato and pasta and... Uh, pastry every day we still managed to lose weight because we hiked so much but on foot is a beautiful way to see a new place and yeah so we walked for miles and miles every day and it was really really great and yeah it was really I just felt so good and right before we left even though I was quite nervous about this trip and kind of feeling a little bit grumpy a little bit just off, not my usual self. And I realized that what I was worried about was that when I was a kid, we had some new people move in next door. My dad had gone over to say hello and introduce himself, and they offered him a glass of wine, and he said, no, I don't drink. And they were very offended, and they sort of insisted that he drink this wine. And so unfortunately, my dad felt that he got off to a bad start with these new neighbors because they had... um, been offended that he didn't accept their their hospitality by not drinking their wine and they were they had just moved from Italy and i think that there that planted in my mind some kind of an expectation that i was really going to be pushed to drink and i never had that experience at all everyone was very gracious they're really more pushing the darn bubbly water on you <laughs> all the time you want water bubbles no bubbles uh, or they call it still still water or bubble water. Um, so that was quite a great relief to me was to just recognize that I was anxious about how to approach saying no to alcohol, especially when I don't speak the language. And that turned out to not be a problem. And the other thing was that um, 
I, uh, I think I just was anticipating things that aren't true. You know, I was, I was making stuff up in my head of what that was going to be like. Did you find that, Catherine, when you were there, that it wasn't a real big push to, to drink? If you, they were just happy you ordered whatever and. Yeah. Feel- well, actually, I have I have one anecdote on that. When. So we first thing we did was we went on a cruise, and so that was all around the Mediterranean, uh, around Italy and Malta and, uh, and a bit of Greece. And on the cruise ship, we went before dinner one night. We were kind of sitting out in this terrace, and you know, so the the head bar lady actually came around and said, "What can I get you?" It was one of these formal nights, so you know, we're in black tie, get up and. And she said, do you want anything? And I said, well, I don't drink alcohol. And I was going to say, like, but can they make something for me? And she said, you don't? Really? And she kind (laughs) of, like, made this face, like, really? (laughs) Now, I've shared on the show before, and this is actually a shout-out to one of our guests from last week, Elizabeth, because she once told me that she's never forgotten that I said this which was I set my mind early on in recovery that it was only a big deal if I made it a big deal, mm-hmm. that that if I let it bother me, then it was a big deal. But if I just played it off as it was no big deal, then it wasn't going to be and I wasn't going to follow that rabbit down the rabbit hole. Right. Even if yeah. in my mind I was a little bit like, really? But... Um, so that, that was just one thing that did happen. And also on the cruise ship now, it was a, a really high end cruise ship. So we were the youngest people by 25 years. Um, remember it was our honeymoon and I got married. I was old, so I'm an old bride, but, um, as brides go, (laughs) so we could do this though, is what I'm saying. And, um, and it was our honeymoon, but anyway, so like we're we're on there with rich drunk old people. I'm just gonna say it, and <laughs> the, the so worst speak, kind. <laughs> I would have been one of them if I had made it that far, but I never would have. Um, but we're sitting. They sit you with other people, right? And it was such a small ship. There were only a couple hundred people that you really kind of get to know everybody. So this one couple. The guy quoted the original movie, Arthur. Remember that with Dudley Moore? And he plays like, Mm -hmm. you know, this South, you know, um, heir to all kinds of money. And he he said uh, he was making a drink and they say to him, oh, we don't drink before noon. And he says, well, you must save a fortune on ice. Cubes. And so this old guy from Copenhagen quotes this to me. <laughs> I just was like, yes, yes, I do. Save a fortune on cubes. Um, so that was that particular trip. Um, what I did find, like something that I would be comfortable doing at home or at least in an English speaking country is I would be comfortable saying, I don't drink, but can you make me like a mocktail, you know, a mixed drink without alcohol? 
I was not comfortable doing that outside the United States because I my French is really bad and I don't have any Italian or any Greek and so I didn't feel confident um explaining Actually, I'm myself glad you in a way. That. I'm glad you said that because that's really important. Um, I felt the same way that it was, I had to, when I first got sober, I had a heck of a time figuring out, like, just how to order a Diet Coke in a bar or at a dinner, you know, and not feel weird about it. Like, I had a hard time saying in English, I don't drink, or I'd like a mocktail. That was really just hard to utter those words. And so to be in a language in a country where you don't speak the language, um, there sometimes can be a little bit of that hesitation or whatever. But you have to push fast that and make sure that you're clear, no alcohol. Um, well, and that's and, why I know, drink tonic water because it's the same in um, ton- tonic yeah. is the same in English as it was in Italian, and I could see on the menu and. And so I would order it, and then I would say no alcohol and, like, gesture and <laughs> a borderline rude, but I had to be. I had to know that I was getting it. And so everywhere I went, they actually would bring the little can to my table and let me pour it. Yeah, we had a, I had a problem, actually, with it when we were in Greece. And I will just say that, like, we had a dinner at sunset on a rooftop overlooking um, the Parthenon. Wow. And, I mean... Well, I would have been drunk, you know what I'm saying? Like, I would have gone back to the room. That's where the champagne bottle was, was in Athens. And I, I would have, I, we would have had that champagne by the time I got to dinner. I would have been half in the bag, and then I would have been stumbling around, and I would have missed it, and it was amazing. But I will say that we told the waiter a bunch of times, no alcohol. And, I mean, you know, he spoke great English it wasn't that but he just he kind of didn't get the concept so even when he brought like a little dessert and a little thing oh the honeymooners and he brought a thing and it was like a shot of it wasn't ouzo but some it was alcohol and we were like what is that and he was trying to explain and we're like yeah we told him 10 times no alcohol so it was just better (laughs) to be kind of on the alert like he just didn't get it it wasn't malicious it was just like like, no alcohol. Oh, but, you know, remember in, in my big fat Greek wedding when she's like, no, no, my boyfriend's a vegetarian. I'm like, oh, I make lamb. <laughs> like, yeah. That kind of a, <laughs> it's a baby animal. Okay, but this is just ouzo. It's, it's nothing. Like, you know, but I, anyway, I made it out unscathed. And, and we did land in Paris, by the way, at, at, at the end of it. And I did not drink in Paris. And I've been to Paris a bunch of times when I was drinking, and, and it's way better sober, I just have to say. Yeah. It was, oh. I, I have to say, there's a couple things that really stand out for me on my trip that I want to share with you guys. That I, things that would not have happened if I hadn't been sober. There are experiences I could not have had if I wasn't on this journey. And, um, and it, I'm reminded of it because you said that about the Uzo. Um, one of our listeners heard... Uh, me mentioned on the show that I was coming to Italy and she happens to live live in Italy. And so she shot us an email and said, you know, you're not going to be alone in Italy. There's other sober people here too. And uh, and I'm one of them. And let me, let me know if you need anything. And so I, we had coffee. We met in a piazza and, and had a beautiful visit and it was absolutely fantastic. Amazing, amazing woman, fantastic stories, very interesting life. And, you know, just enriched my experience 
um, on that trip and just added a whole other dimension to it. It was such a beautiful gift, and it's something that... That's so um, cool. Yeah, to connect with someone who is, you know, on the other side of the world having a shared experience was just amazing. And and I, she had said she was she um, lived uh, all over in Europe at different times and, and said that at one point she was somewhere when she first got sober and that they kept saying to her, well, it's just schnapps. It's, it's just schnapps. You won't even just have schnapps because <laughs> that's yeah. like candy, you know. <laughs> um, and so... Um, just to hear about her experiences um, in other countries going through a recovery journey was really lovely. So whenever I travel, I um, post on uh, part of an online recovery group that I'm part of. I post, okay, I'm going to this area. Does anyone live around there? And I try to organize something. And actually, Catherine, that's how you and I first met was uh, yes. that very that's that right. very process. And um, it's, it's been the loveliest thing to just have people to go to. So we know you can go to a meeting and meet some people that way. Um, if you join an online discussion board or something, you can meet that way. And we always take steps to make sure we're safe, you know, meet in public places and make sure someone knows where you're going and stuff. But I've always had just fantastic experiences doing that. So that was really, really very special. And I say a hello to that gracious listener who was so kind to me and bought me a really nice cappuccino in Rome. And then I want to play you something on a video. I'm I'm not sure if you'll be able to hear this, but let's try, okay? And you can share with me what happened uh, bright and early on Easter Sunday morning. And I was able to enjoy it because I didn't have a hangover. So let's see if you can hear this. Can you hear that? Yes. Gorgeous. So those are the Easter bells ringing in Venice. And they started very early in the morning and pretty much continued all day to, I'm sure, the torture of anyone with a hangover. But to (laughs) me, it was absolutely gloriously beautiful. I threw open all the windows in our hotel room and just threw my head out and just was like, it's 8 a.m. on Easter Sunday and I'm in Venice listening to bells ringing. <laughs> like, it was just Absolutely. Crazy, beautiful, fantastic life moment that I'll never forget because I just, I, you know, I was, I was there for it. And, and, um, and every, every molecule of me was, was grateful and present in that moment. So. I never I'm felt that kind that. of joy when I was drinking. I, the joy of those those Easter bells ringing and you just, I can just picture it. You know, it's like a movie, just, you know, throwing open the sash. And <laughs> I can feel, I can feel that. So actually you, you posted that, um, that little video and I just, it took my breath away. And like, I've had those moments in sobriety and certainly sober vacations have those extra special moments. I never yeah. felt that kind of joy in, in when I was actively drinking. I, other than that sick kind of like finally here's the first glass of wine and sort of that sick, like a feeling of a need, not mm-hmm. joy. Mm-hmm. I think well, that's true. And I I think there's something to be said for that sort of codependent behavior. And a lot of us that struggle with alcohol 
it's rooted in in codependence. And if you haven't read into that, take a look at something like Codependent No More and see if it applies to you. But um, I really realized that I was living my life trying to make other people happy. And when you're on vacation with other people, you know, you're trying to control everything and you're trying to be everything to all people. And it's a, it's just, it's a, it steals your peace constantly. And um, getting a, a little bit of perspective on that and a bit of a break from that really lets those moments be what they are and shine through and be authentic. You can authentically feel the goodness in each moment instead of trying to control it and create it and make sure everyone else is happy and that you're being who they need you to be in that space, in that moment, so that they're all enjoying this awesome vacation. Um, it just can is we, what it is. Actually, can we talk about that too, Jean, a little bit, that like, you know, Amanda said that, okay, she was lucky enough to be traveling with somebody that was sober, and you started touching on it saying that, you know, your husband um, is not sober and is a normal drinker, so, like, maybe we should talk about how we kind of deal with those expectations of other people. Like, Mm -hmm. you probably don't want to go on vacation with, like, you know, your sorority sisters who are, you know, still kind of expecting like a up party. The wine. Yeah. 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 Like, and I mean, I said no, about, to, you know, go ahead. Sorry. I, I said no to a, a vacation recently that um, looked to be really fun. And I really wanted to go. Uh, it was like dog sledding in the mountains for my friend's 50th birthday. And it was a group of women that were going and, um, you know, they're all, like, they're they're a fun group of women that like to have their wine and like to laugh. And I just kind of, I could see that um, that I would have a hard time feeling comfortable I, and that I wouldn't have an out, you know. It's different than going to a party with a group of people that is like that or going out somewhere where you can always leave. But I just thought to go away for a weekend, I just, I knew it just probably wasn't a good idea for me, so I chose not to go. But before going so on this trip... we have somebody... Go ahead. Go ahead, Jean. Sorry. Oh, well, I was just going to say, because we've got somebody on Twitter who's saying that this is interesting that you're saying that you decided not to go on that trip. This this listener is saying that they've got a girl's trip coming up and they're all going to be kind of into their favorite cocktails and she's worried that she might feel left out. They don't know that I'm in recovery. Yeah, that might be a really difficult situation. That would be a tough to one. In. Yeah. You know, I guess some depends on, too, like, will you have your own space? Will you be able to leave and go to your safe bubble, you know? I was on kind of a bad, a bad um, in a bad situation um, when I went to a destination wedding, and it was a real party group, and they were having a great time, but mm. it was in an area where there was nothing else to do but drink. I had I had no alternative activities, and so I just ended up going back to my room. I looked a little bit antisocial, but I had to I had to do that to protect myself. And yeah. so if you're all staying in the same house or if you're all staying in a place where you are sharing a room and you really can't get away or can't get yourself out of that situation, I feel like that could be, uh, you know, that could be, something you may want to reconsider. What do you think? I agree. I, those yeah. are the type of things yeah. that I just I I just avoided. I mean, 
going on something like that now, I I don't know. I just I, I might not do it either because it just wouldn't be fun. Um, but you know, I you know we always we talk about this. You know, we've talked about it quite a bit. Like as far as it's no one's business whether or not you drink. But I find like if you're if you really want to go on something like that. I feel like one of the things that you almost need to do to protect yourself is at least tell one person that you're in recovery, someone that you, yeah. you need an ally. Yeah, um, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, that that would be I I mean, I would probably not go. Um, but if I if I did go, you at least have one ally and and you know, we talk about I when I said I didn't bring anything special on vacation. I I mean, I of course I always have my phone which connects me to my friends in recovery and an online recovery community. So I did have that. I just, I I happened to not turn on my phone, but it was there if I needed it. Mm-hmm. I think in this type of a situation, it, it really needs to be someone who's right there with you, too. Mm-hmm. You know, That's someone, a good point. You gotta have, a wingman. Yeah, <laughs> a wingman, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I think it's important to to create a safe place for ourselves, particularly if it's early recovery, and, and obviously we don't know the, the context here, um, you know, definitely now I still feel like I'm in early recovery, but now I feel like if I were close enough friends with people that I were actually going on a trip with them. Now, who am I talking about? All my sober girls trips are always with Sober women. Yeah, <laughs> but I think right. about that. Like every every group trip that I've done, like that's not been with my husband. It's been gr- a bunch of girls. It's all sober women, including the two of you. Um, and we have fun. If they, <laughs> yeah. Da, 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 da. But if we <laughs> no, if I were taking a trip with friends, I think they would be people that would know that I'm in recovery. Um, mm-hmm. But the main thing is is safety. Like, what's what's my mental safety? And there is sort of this fear of, like, fear of missing out. If I say no to the trip, you know, now I'm missing out. And now, and like, personally, I, I used to have those feelings of, like, am I being left out? Oh, no. And, you know, there is, there is some grief in that that I think it's fair enough to acknowledge. But if it's a trip that feels worth going on, then, you know, what can you do to create connection and safety for yourself? Um, you know, cause it's, it's not going to be fun to just sit there and watch other people drink. Like I had that experience last summer where I went to a, a summer house for a weekend. My husband and I went and this was, I, we didn't realize that the friends of the friends were major partiers. I would have loved it back in the day, but they just drank morning, noon, and night, and it, into the wee hours, and it really wasn't fun for me. It was a drag, actually, um, and I just felt like this is just a waste of my time. Um, nobody made fun of me or said anything about it. Uh, you know, nothing like that. It was just in my head. Mm-hmm. And I, I have found that when I do, if I am with friends, or when I did start telling my friends. I was surprised at how pleased they were to do anything to support me, you know, to ask what I needed or to, you know, I have one friend who always had um, 
I liked a certain kind of, you know, bubbly water. And so she would always have that in her fridge. And she said, just know if you're coming to my house, I always have this for you here. And if there's something else you want, you know, I'll, I'll let me know and I'll make sure it's on hand. And you, you always know you can come here and that there will always be something here for you. And it was just, it touched my heart, you know, that she just, it mattered yeah. to her that I came. It didn't matter to her what was in my glass. It mattered that I was there and that we were able to continue to spend time together. And um, I just think I underestimated my friends, I think, for the most part. And I I also overestimated that they cared about wine as much as I did. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh, good point. So yeah, unless point. unless those friends have you know trouble with alcohol themselves, if they if they are normal drinkers who are just having some weekend fun, then they probably it it'll be very seamless, you know, once they know and know how to help you and you speak your truth and say what you need, you may be very pleasantly surprised to find how they support you. And Catherine, you were saying something really interesting earlier too that we should mention, which is that. Those, you know, upcoming trips and oh, I'm going to Italy, how can I not drink wine in Italy and I'm going to, on a on a vineyard tour for my 40th birthday, how can I not drink at that? That keeps people sick for a long time because they always are waiting. Well, I'll quit drinking after that. I'll quit drinking after yes. the vacation. That and was it, me. Yeah. So what's mm-hmm. what's the what's the antidote to that? Just don't do it. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I, do, I know that kept me out for years. Like, well, I'm going on vacation. Okay, can't stop. Oh, well, now it's almost the holidays, so I might as well. Oh, but, well, no, now it's now it's my birthday. Oh, wait, now it's summertime. Now it's it really Tuesday. was never. Yeah, <laughs> now it's now o'clock. It's like, <laughs> there really was never a good time. And, you know, the, it's almost like Julia Cameron is – she's actually sober and and she's an artist who wrote this book called the artist's way. And Mm -hmm. she says, you know, people will say to me, do you know how old I'll be by the time I learn how to play piano? And she said, yes, the same age you'll be if you don't. And it's the same thing with getting sober that it's like, I I got sober a couple of days before Easter Sunday, you know, and, and it was just because I woke up that morning and it was a random I think it was a Thursday. Like, I just, I couldn't anymore. I just couldn't. And that was it. And I just gave up um, and threw my hands up in the air. Um, so, yeah, there's there's never, a, if, if you're, chances are if you're listening to this show, you know, and you're thinking about your drinking, my guess is that, you know, today might be a good day. Um, even if you have a great day, something coming up today's a great day. And, and, you know, I just, and the other thing is, is like, you know, with a little bit of luck and with sobriety, we can have healthy, long lives and be able to have lots of sober adventures and vacations. And it's sort of like, you know, this fear that we're going to be missing out on something. It's like, I don't know that I, I really, I carried that around with me, I have to say. And, and then I, I had to proceed very, very gently for, for quite some time. I mean, I had a very challenging time for at least seven or eight months 
into sobriety where I just really had to like pick my way along very carefully. Looking back, I, I, I struggled a lot and I didn't get enough community support around me right away that in, in hindsight, which I've said before. Mm-hmm. So I would say that going on vacation, ha- prepping to have people um, that you can connect to over the phone, text and online community um, and Dare I give a shout out to the Bubble Hour? I keep the Bubble Hour on some favorite episodes of mine on my iPad, iPod, so I can listen mm-hmm. when I'm in hotels and stuff. Yeah, it's like tea with friends, <laughs> listening mm. to the Bubble Hour. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And somebody actually tweeted that they have a trip coming up that where they're afraid of flying and haven't done it before without drinking, and um. I just wanted to mention that we did an episode on um, sober travel where, remember Sarah gave her nice share about her her travel while sober, and she had a great fear of flying, and she shared great advice on that. Um, so if you just Google the bubble hour sober travel, it'll come up. Yes. That, that episode. Um, we're rounding out our hour here, so we need to move on to sort of recap and final thoughts is there anything that we missed discussing and uh and what's your takeaway from tonight amanda um i think we covered a lot i mean there's always tons to talk about um i i think uh the just um that traveling can be fun i think you know Make sure you're ready for it. Um, I think it's also important to, you know, like we were just talking about, you know, pick, you know, your first trip. Make sure you pick wisely. You know, I, it, people, I, you know, I hear people say all the time, like, oh, well, I have to go on this, you know, this to this bachelorette party. Oh, yeah. You know, sober weekend. And you don't have to do anything. Um, it, you really don't. I mean, it, it and Jean, you brought up a good point about like your friends with the, having the bubbly water for you. And you know, I hate to say this because I don't want it to discourage anyone, but the, the truth is, you know, some friends will drop off, but you you kind of find out who your real friends are. And mm-hmm. you know, for example, um, you know, so a real friend, Ellie, got sober. Ellie's my very best friend since forever. I was still drinking my face off. And I still remained mm-hmm. her friend, and I was still there for her, and I was respectful of the fact that she stopped drinking. I know she lost other friends, and I know, and and vice, you know, and same has gone for me. There, there are people who <laughs> that we think of as friends, that really they're just drinking buddies. Um, and mm-hmm. then there are people who are your friends, and they will be around, and they will respect you, and they will, um, you know, do you know, be helpful to you, you know, like Jean just said about her friend. So. Um, that, uh, I know that's a completely different topic than sober travel, but um, I think you know one one I guess one of the greatest gifts that uh, you know I was I was a little bit nervous about traveling, and I was a little nervous about being sober in general. You know, um, Catherine, you you shared about you know you having a random Thursday. For me, it took um, getting arrested. I knew I was an alcoholic for a long time, and just didn't know how to stop because I had, you know, I had to go away on vacation. I had to do this. I had to do that. I had to do all these things, and how could I stop drinking before I did them? Um, And, you know, so it took what it took for me. I'm babbling now. But um, 
I guess learning to just um, live your life differently, to redefine what is fun for you, and learning to appreciate um, the, you know, what you do get instead of what you're missing out on. Um, and you can make, you can, um, you can find fun in a box when you, when you change your way of thinking. And not a box of wine. Yes, it's an empty box. And not a box, in it, right? Thank you, Amanda. (laughs) Catherine. Sorry. I also never laughed when I was drinking, by the way. I like I had sort of a cackly thing, but I just never really felt that kind of you know (laughs) that silly feeling in your stomach when you laugh. Um Mm -hmm. I really loved what you said, Jean, about being fully present. And I think back in sobriety, you know, I remember my wedding, getting married in Central Park and seeing what looked, just looking at all the flowers. And I remember everything about that trip and being like, oh my gosh, it's the Parthenon. Like, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, you know, or this last trip in South Carolina, getting up, watching the sunrise, and then we, we rented bicycles and we cruised down the beach and just sort of breathing in and, like, like I'm actually alive and I'm feeling joy at being alive. Um, I most assuredly did not feel that ever when I was drinking. Um, and, and now I will go to any lengths to protect that feeling and that life that I have. And so I, I do agree with Amanda that I will say no to things. Sometimes I feel bad if people have fallen off. Like some people posted some things on Facebook today where I, I introduced these people. That's how they're friends. And uh, we're not invited anymore, and I'm pretty sure it's because I don't drink. I'm not sure, maybe not, but, you know, and so you sort of feel like, oh, am I being left out? And then again, I'm like, well, but I'm I'm hanging out with people that I truly, truly love in my recovery community, and I'm really experiencing things, and there there's nothing, there's nothing that's going to happen good or bad that I'm going to let take that away from me. Not today anyway. Mm. So thanks for my sobriety. Yay. (laughs) Yay. Um, I wanted to leave you guys with a closing thought, which was just this sort of profound gift of awareness that I had as we were driving to the airport. And it echoes what you just said, Catherine. Um, I, I had been just feeling shaky for few weeks before mm-hmm. going on this trip and that, you know, seven or seven, four solid years of sobriety and somehow I felt like this going to Italy was somehow, that's just, I felt like I didn't know what to expect um, and and somehow that, that I might, I don't know, falter there. And um, I just had this profound knowledge that 
Drinking won't add anything to this experience. Drinking will only spoil this experience. And I've waited my whole life to go and see this part of the world and nothing is going to spoil it for me. And that just came over me with such certainty that um, I recognized it as just a gift. <laughs> it was just a gift of knowledge that, that I was given that, um, that, that to protect the experience by, by enjoying it fully. And having gone and done that and spent 16 days packing a 70-liter backpack through Europe and just having the most amazing time, I can just tell you that it's a big, beautiful, amazing world out there. And, you know, I wish all of our listeners the opportunity to go and enjoy it and enjoy it with your whole heart and your whole mind and and on a level that you could never do drinking. So I guess mm-hmm. that's my closing wish for everyone. And sincere gratitude that you guys prepared me for it with everything we've learned up to this point together. So it was a pretty amazing experience. I love it. Yeah. Well, I hope our listeners got some good ideas that they can take away with them, Uh, at least feel encouraged um, to assess what you're doing if you're going to go on a holiday. Um, Think about it. Holiday, that's what Canadians call vacations. We call them holidays. I know that's what you call (laughs) Thanksgiving, but I'm speaking Canadian. (laughs) So do do a good, thorough assessment before you take a vacation and Really ask yourself uh, if you should be going and then make sure you take the steps you need to um, give yourself all the support that you need while you're on that trip and leave room for some surprises. And so with that, we're going to close the show for tonight. So uh, before we go, I would just like to remind you to check out our parent organization, ShiningStrong.org. And uh, on that site, you'll find links to all our resources, including this show, The Bubble Hour, and Crying Out Now, a website where um, people send in their stories of addiction and recovery. It's very powerful. And other initiatives around recovery advocacy. And uh, if you see our website, that is at thebubblehour.com. You'll find links to all kinds of recovery resources, including my blog, Unpickled, Ellie's blog, One Crafty Mother. And if you would like to email us, and um, connect with us. You now know that we not only answer those emails, but sometimes we even get to have coffee with you. Our email address is thebubblehour at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. So let us know your feedback for tonight's show and any other topic suggestions you have. And with that, thank you all for listening to The Bubble Hour, and we hope you have a great evening. Good night, everybody. Good night, ladies. Good night, Jane. Good night, Good night. Catherine. Thank you. Good night. Bye. Bye.